Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Real Presence Live. It is Tuesday, January 3rd. I'm your host, Blake Ritterman, along with my co-host. Hello there. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, John. John. Clark. Nice yeah. to meet good you. To, good to have you here, John. Um, did you have a Merry Christmas, John? I really did. It was a special one. It just, you know, they're, all Christmases are special. This one just seemed to be real you know, soul-filled and I really... Really got into the advent and, and think it's really a good good Christmas. Wonderful. Yeah. Oh, Maybe it's because it was quiet. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was just a little quiet. I mean, there's some weather you had to deal with, but for the most part, it's just a really quiet holiday. There's like something that. about that. Yeah. I mean, advent is just, there's all this preparation and preparation. And there's something about Christmas that I always need to learn just to to sit and rest in it, yeah. um, to, to allow Christmas to to really be born again in me, you know, um, as, as we move through here and everything too. So, well, John, let's start with prayer and then we'll get into it. We have a great show for our listeners out there for Real Presence Live. Um, we have two bishops that will be on today. Um, and so very excited, but let's start with prayer in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father in heaven, we ask you to sanctify this show. We ask that you send your spirit upon us, that you open our hearts, open our minds to receive your son, Jesus. We thank you for the gift of your son um, at Christmas, that may he be born in our hearts anew, that we may receive, um, receive anew the life of Jesus through the Holy Spirit. We ask you, Father, also to take your son, uh, Pope Benedict XVI, to your home in heaven as we pray. Father, eternal shepherd, Hear the prayers of your people to your servant, Benedict, who governed your church with love. In your mercy, bring him with the flock once entrusted to his care, to the reward you have promised your faithful servants. May, who, may he, who faithfully administered the mysteries of your forgiveness and love on earth, rejoice with you forever in heaven. In your wise and loving care, you made your servant teacher of all your church. He did the work of Christ on earth. May your son welcome him in, into eternal glory. May your servant whom you appointed high priest of your flock be counted now among the priests in the life of your kingdom. Give your servant the reward of eternal happiness and let your mercy win for us the gift of your life and love. We entrust your servant to your mercy with faith and confidence and the human family he was an instrument of your peace and love. May he rejoice in those gifts forever with your saints. Amen. Yes. Mary, our mother. Pray for us, St. Joseph. Pray, pray for, for us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, thank you, everyone, for being with us this morning on January 3rd. We, we have a, a very special guest in our first segment, Bishop Daniel Felton from the Diocese of Duluth. Bishop, good morning. Good morning to you all, and Merry Christmas. And Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, to, Christmas you. to you. Thank you so much for joining us today, Bishop. And uh, as I was saying kind of at the beginning, you know, we, Christmas is a season in which we celebrate. It doesn't, sometimes with, with the world and with things, we, we, we prep and prep and prep, and then Christmas is here, and there's a temptation just to end and be done with it. But what, tell us a little bit about the celebration of Christmas through the baptism of the Lord. Yeah, I think it's uh, really important to embrace 
all that Christmas is, but especially within a liturgical year of the uh, of the Church. And and it's almost as though the Church says the mystery of the Incarnation is so deep, so wide, so high, that it's going to take us days and weeks and months to even begin to embrace that mystery unfolding within our hearts, within our soul, uh, and within our families and world. And so we've just uh, gone through the octave of Christmas, um, which is a very special time to pray in a special way, to kind of bask uh, in the great feast of the Nativity of the Lord of Christmas Day. Um, but now we are into the 12 days of Christmas that are taking us up to the great feast of the Epiphany and the coming of the Magi. And so we continue to just dwell and kind of open our hearts to the spirit of Christmas, which is the spirit of the Holy Spirit and the Son and the Father, just kind of moving uh, in and through our lives, the life of our family, the life of our world. And then once we've got the 12 days of Christmas done, um, then we begin Christmas time. And Christmas time will actually take us up to the baptism of the Lord. And so during that Christmas time, decorations should still be up. We should still be saying Merry Christmas to one another. We're still in, in the, the Christmas mode and the spirit of Christmas. And then once we uh, celebrate the baptism of Jesus, um, then we go into Christmas tide, which carries us to the presentation of the Lord on February 2nd, and candle mass, uh, a very special ritual. So, so we, we celebrate Christmas uh, for days and weeks um, just to begin to embrace the mystery that is before us. And ultimately... The want is that by the beginning of February, if we really are embracing the fullness of the spirit of Christmas that is given to us in Jesus Christ by the Father, that it will become a way of life and not just about a season. Are there things uh, or, or certain days during this time that will help us to uh, the faithful to keep in that Christmas mindset. So, for example, today is the uh, is the the name of Jesus. We so we we remember that. We celebrate that and, and ponder that. Are there other things about the Epiphany? Of course, was one. Is there other days between now and then? That... Well, there are there are a number of feast days um, that are given to us in January. You know, to and for you know that purpose, and and ultimately everything leading up to the baptism, which is a huge feast for the church you know, as Jesus himself is baptized, um, and we are baptized, you know, into him. And then Candle Mass, which is on February 2nd, which celebrates the presentation of Jesus, and actually that's when we bless the candles that we use for the Feast of St. Blaise and the Blessing of Throat. So there, there are a number of ways and liturgical expressions the Church gives to us in that period of time, but even within our homes um, or outside of our homes, uh, we shouldn't be taking down Christmas decorations just yet. Uh, we should leave them up at least through the baptism of Jesus, and then just keep a hint of Christmas in our homes through February 2nd during Christmas tide. To the secular world that is around us, uh, Hallmark has already removed, of course, every Christmas card mm -hmm. there is. Mm -hmm. The Christmas music has stopped on the radio, and basically, um, for many people who celebrate um, Perhaps the weeks leading up to Christmas, uh, they very are, are quick to end Christmas, but in our own Christian faith and belief and in our liturgical year, uh, that's not the case. Yeah, Bishop, why, you know, with this, I mean, because you kind of just really described what the way of the world, what the world is doing. The world is ready to move on, you know, move on to the next thing. And why is it so important to to rest and to savor and to really celebrate 
um, why is that good for us just as human beings um, to really rest, savor, and celebrate this season? Well, I think there's a lot of experiences in our life which are just hugely impacting. Um, it can be a tragedy in life, but many, many times it's some great blessed moment, some great celebration. And, you know, during those moments and times, you know, we'll find ourselves, even in our human experience or in our worldly experience, you know, just continuing to dwell upon that moment. Let's say a son or a daughter gets married and the, the wedding day ends, you know, and parents, uh, for instance, you know, they celebrate that, they've prepared for that, it's a great joy for their family the day of, but often people will go back to that moment, back to that day, to just kind of dwell on it, to embrace it, to think about it, uh, and many times to discover things they hadn't thought about before. So, you know, great events or experiences of God's Spirit moving in our life are meant to be contemplated, are meant to be prayed about are meant to be reflected upon, um, and that's what the Christmas season is asking us to do with the birth of Jesus Christ into this world, to savor it, um, to embrace it, uh, but also not to let go too soon. And by doing so, that that will have an impact on us outside the Christmas season and Christmas tide, because we learn to incorporate that in our life and our faith. Yep, and that's, that's exactly, uh, you know, what happens. You know, they say... Uh, to form a bad habit takes 30 days, you know, so I'm assuming that to form a good habit takes the same. So we're, we're given those days uh, in a Christmas season uh, to be able to form those good habits and virtues so that they stay with us, not just for a season, but for a lifetime. Yes, Bishop. So we, we just moved through the octave of Christmas. We, you know, it's a little different this year because it happened to be on Sundays. <laughs> so we had Christmas, uh, Christmas on Yeah, Sunday. you know, you were talking about before just kind of the stillness of the Christmas season or the peacefulness of it. Mm -hmm. um, for priests, this only happens, what, every seven years. Um, but with the Christmas Day, the feast day itself falling on a Sunday, you know, many parishes may have added a Mass or something of that nature, but a lot of them followed their regular Sunday schedule. And so it's very uh, unusual for a priest um, and all people connected to liturgy not to be going right from Christmas, you know, in, into the middle of the week for the Holy Family, right into Epiphany, you know, that there's one uh, set of celebrations right after the other. But every seven years, we have that whole week in the in-between. Mm -hmm. But I was just talking to a priest on the phone. As much as we want to, as priests to embrace that moment, there's also like an anxiousness. It's just like, I, you know, I feel like I should be doing something. Am I forgetting to say a Mass or right. something? Or didn't we announce something? And, and so it gives us the latitude of what we're talking about, just a whole week to ponder, to think about Christmas, a whole week to think about the Epiphany, you know, in the in-between and New Year's. So it, it's been a, a good year just to rest in the moment because we've been given that time in a special way every seven years. Yeah. So we've just moved through um, what I when we were talking, I think... Thank the Lord you've kind of gave some mercy to our priests <laughs> because it is such a busy time. I'm sure it's very hard at times. You have to find new ways to to reflect and ponder, you know, throughout this season because it is just very busy. There's a lot of practical details in that. Um, but last Sunday, we just celebrated Mary, the Mother of God, um, yeah. which kind of completes the octave. 
um, right. of Christmas. To talk about Mary's role in that. You know, the church is so wise in the, in the way she sets her liturgy and sets her days, you know, through years of, of contemplation and, and things too. But there's so much wisdom in ending the octave with Mary, the mother of God. Um, tell us a little bit more about that, I guess. Yeah, you know, I, I think that, you know, the great scripture uh, passage you know, for that occasion that Mary continued to ponder these things in her heart, in her heart, um, right after the shepherds have told uh, Mary and Joseph about the, the angels and all that has happened. You know, it says that Mary continued to ponder these things in her heart. So Mary, in the immediacy of the New Year's Day, is giving us an example, as she always does, of what it means to just kind of bask and be in the moment, not to let go of it too fast, continue to ponder it, and, and, and to ponder these things, not just for a day or a week or a month, but she would ponder those things in her heart for a lifetime. So immediately, you know, upon the great celebration of the birth of Jesus and our Christmas Day celebration, just when we're invited to enter into that, to ponder that, not to let go of it, not to rush away from it, not to move on to the next thing, boom, the Church gives us an example of that mm-hmm. uh, in Mary, as we seek to be like her and to ponder these things in our own hearts as well. Now we come out of the octave and we move towards the, the epiphany. The epiphany can be more of an, an, uh, a call to action in a sense, would you say? Or, or how can we use the epiphany to, um, to better serve others? Yeah, you know, the, the Feast of the Epiphany, epiphany, you know, means a revelation or a manifestation of the divine. Um, it's literally, you know, and, and there are many epiphanies that are happening during the Christmas time, but this particular epiphany um, is not to the Jewish people, it would be to the Gentiles, as we have the three kings or the magi traveling from the east, uh, following a star that ultimately takes them to Jesus. And, you know, as they arrive, uh, expecting a great king, expecting a palace, um, they find this babe. Um, that uh, they fall down and they acknowledge um, as the Son of God, and they bear gifts and give gifts to him. But the great point is that even the Gentiles in that moment, there was the manifestation or the revelation that this was the Son of God, this babe that was before them, and it was for that reason they had a conversion of heart, they gave their gifts to this king, and ultimately there was a conversion uh, that would take place in their lives, which we anticipate as they went back to the East, they carried that conversion and that person of Jesus with them and proclaimed that and gave witness to that in their own homelands. So the great, the great Feast of the Epiphany, only found in the Gospel of Matthew, is just a, a wonderful continuation of the epiphanies that we all are experiencing, uh, like Mary, as we continue to ponder the great mystery of the Incarnation. That's beautiful. And I, I think of the the Magi coming, you know, just the, the miracle of this, where their expectations, you know, the, you're, you're right, Bishop, their expectations are probably, you know, a king is not born in a stable, but they come upon this very simple scene of, of Mary, Joseph, Jesus in the manger, and, and yet they choose to, to worship and to give gifts. Um, even in the midst of, you know, this this miracle of yes this is this is the christ this is the anointed one this is the king um and the the joy that that filled their hearts you know with that as well yeah, but and, and it's and just I think a miracle it's important. yeah it's also important 
you know, epiphany again means manifestation of the revelation of that, you know, the kings were probably surprised, or the magi were probably surprised that the star came to rest over this place. And, you know, initially, you know, probably would have been dumbfounded, you know, how, how can this be? Um, and yet, it's by the grace uh, of the Son of God, it's by the grace of the Incarnation, it's by the grace of the God who is with us, who has become one with us. It is through the initiation of God that their hearts and minds are open to recognize and to see that this truly is the Son of God. So even as we ponder, and even as we continue to embrace the unfolding mystery that's before us, you know, it's not up to us to be able to make the revelation or the manifestation happen. That's what God does for us. We just need to be open to that. And that can happen in many moments and times when we expect, or it can happen in moments and times that we could never have planned for, um, but that's the power of the revelation or the epiphany or the manifestation uh, of Jesus into the world and becoming one like us. Yes, thank you, Bishop. And I wanted to speak about this at the beginning, but, you know, during, you know, towards the end of the octave, one of these great teachers of the faith in the last century, uh, Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI, uh, passed on from this world on December 31st, uh, the day before uh, Mary, Mother of God, so just share a few thoughts, I guess, uh, Bishop Felton, uh, about Benedict, the effect on on him for you as a shepherd as well, um, and for the people of, of our listening area. Yeah, uh, Pope Benedict, it's, it's an amazing unfolding uh, of the Incarnation within his own life and the many ways that God would use him as an instrument um, to reveal to others the manifestation of Jesus and also of uh, Mary and her special role in God's plan of salvation as well. So, I mean, there's no doubt about it, and, and many people have talked about this. I mean, he was the theologian for the Catholic Church, you know, of the 20th century. You know, there was no one who had a greater mind um, as a teacher um, for the Church and within the Church uh, than Pope Benedict. And, and he also was a great writer, and so we are so lucky, um, as we have had with other, you know, uh, great teachers of the Church, that they would actually write down and record uh, their thoughts and that which God was making real for them or revealing to them uh, for the benefit of others, using them as that instrument. So Pope Benedict, great theologian, greatest theologian of the 20th century for the Catholic Church, you know, a manifestation of writings uh, that we will be able to go back to, and I'm sure, you know, will be read and quoted, you know, for decades, if not centuries, uh, to come. Um, and he had a very special role, a very powerful role in the Church, you know, as he was Cardinal Ratzinger and the head of the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith. You know, super, super difficult um, place to be, uh, because that's where they try to discern, um, given real time, and the real world in this moment, you know, what does Revelation look like, what do the teachings of the Church, you know, look like. Um, but his own person was very simple, very humble, um, so I had a chance to study in uh, Rome for a while, and every morning, walking across the piazza at St. Peter's, you would see Cardinal Ratzinger coming to work, he had a beret on his head, um, and he always carried a briefcase. But even as he was going across the piazza, there were a couple of occasions when I was with other priests, and we were passing by him, he would always stop to talk. You know, here he was 
in this powerful position within the church, a cardinal. Um, but he had a servant's heart and a very gentle and kind heart. And he would stop and he would talk to us, take time with us, and then he would continue on. And, and so I've had the experience um, as a person, as a priest, and as a bishop, um, not only to experience his mind um, as a theologian, but also his heart um, as a disciple of the Lord. Oh, thank you, Bishop. I appreciate that, those those kind words of just, you know, speaking of Pope Benedict, because we, we see him, you know, within the books and everything, but for you to to see that humanity of him and that those stories are coming out, you know, as we reflect on his life and reflect on the man of Pope Benedict, the Christian, the priest, and the bishop, um, and the Pope Emeritus as well. So we're going to get ready for a break. Uh, thank you so much for, for listening to Real Presence Live. Uh, bishop Felton, thank you so much for your, for your words, and we'll see you on the other side of this break. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Did you know you can listen to the RPR Network when you're on the go? Just search for Real Presence Radio in your app store. Listen live to any station across the network at any time, so you can stay connected to your local community from wherever you are. Plus, if you miss a program, the Real Presence Radio app is your one-stop shop for local and national podcasts, including our signature show, Real Presence Live. The Real Presence Radio app, with you every step of your faith journey. Download it today and see what you've been missing. This is Dr. Ryan Sappo with Lumen Vision in Fargo. We appreciate all the support our eye care clinic has received over the past year. Lumen Vision offers eye exams for the whole family, vision therapy services, contact lenses, and glasses. Lumen Vision is located across the street from Saints Anne and Joachim Parish in South Fargo. We accept a variety of vision and medical insurance plans. To schedule an appointment online, our website is www.lumen.vision. Lumen Vision is a proud sponsor of Real Presence Radio. SJ Machine, proudly named after and dedicated to St. Joseph, provides machining and induction heat treating to a variety of industries. Just as St. Joseph worked diligently to meet his family's needs, SJ Machine strives to understand and meet our customers' production needs. Prototype to production, working together towards success. SJ Machine can be reached at 701-347-0155 and are a proud supporter of the Real Presence Radio Network. The Mustard Seed Catholic Store is South Dakota's place to purchase Catholic books, gifts, and decor. With locations in Rapid City and Sioux Falls, we are here to provide you with gifts for the Catholic occasions in your life. From baptism to First Communion, confirmation to weddings, and ordinations, we pride ourselves in having local artists share their creative talents, making rosaries, crucifixes, artwork, coffee, and books. We are located in Rapid City on Main Street, in the new Diocesan Building, or in Sioux Falls on Grange Avenue across from Costco. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. And welcome back to Real Presence Live. I am your host, Blake Ritterman, along with John Clark. And we are speaking with Bishop Daniel Felton from the Diocese of Duluth. 
just gave a, a wonderful reflection on um, just the effect uh, of Pope Benedict the Sixteenth. And Bishop Belton, you have it. You have a priest there um, in Rome right now. Yeah. So our own uh, Father Rich is there, very familiar to the people that are listening, um, and he happened to be leading a pilgrimage um, at that time uh, when Pope Benedict died, and so. Um, he has been able to be there. He uh, went to the uh, to the visitation. Uh, he was able to spend some time um, in the presence of uh, Pope Benedict, um, and not only as a person uh, leading the pilgrimage, but I had also asked him to be there as my representative and representing the Diocese of Duluth and, and all of our regions here uh, in the Midwest. So he kind of was our ambassador uh, in the moment. Um, but obviously, because Father Rich has such a love for history, especially as it relates to popes, that, you know, this is a very holy moment for him, a very significant moment for him, that he happened to be there, you know, at the time that Pope Benedict would die. And so uh, he's been a great representative for all of us. What a gift. What a gift. I bet uh, Father Rich is just very humbled by the fact that he gets to be present there during this this time of history, really, in the Church. Exactly. Yeah, what, what a gift. Um, and, and Bishop Felton, you, you released a new pastoral letter, letter for um, all the faithful of the Diocese of Duluth. Uh, tell us a little bit more about that, how you know it kind of got started and the inspiration for it and, and where people can yeah, find it. Yeah, yeah. So I really appreciate that. And, you know, when you write a pastoral letter... Um, my sense was, as I was writing it, that I was more of a scribe um, for the Holy Spirit that's inspiring it. So it's a powerful moment. Pastoral letter is just what it is, uh, the name. Um, it's a shepherd or a pastor writing to his people. It's a letter, um, and so it's not like a, a huge... Uh, uh, doctrinal document. It's not meant to be um, of, of significance in terms of the Church's understanding of encyclicals. It's just a pastoral letter, but the pastoral letters coming from a bishop are really important, and, and obviously because they're inspired by the Spirit and issued by the shepherd of the diocese, you know, there is a gravitas or a seriousness to it as well. Um, and, and the pastoral letter um, that I had just released um, speaks of a dawning moment, um, the dawn from an high shall break upon us, um, healing, hope, and joy in Jesus is the name of the document. And, and it's really um, the result of the 50-plus listening sessions um, that we had throughout our diocese, uh, with over a thousand people participating in that, basically responding to two questions, you know, what's, need, what's hurting and need of healing in your life, your family, your parish, the community where you live, and, you know, what is hopeful and healthy uh, in your life, personal, family, parish, and the community where you live. And, and as people responded to those two simple questions, there was just a lot that was shared um, in the events and people and experiences of those folks uh, who were participating in these hearing sessions. And from that, uh, we've gathered a lot of, of data or we certainly have a lot of information given to us by people, but, you know, if you go to a 5,000-foot level and needed to summarize in one sentence what people are longing for in the Diocese of Duluth, but I would expect well beyond this to our listeners, uh, wherever you may be, um, people were saying that they are longing for healing, they are longing for hope, and they are longing for joy. That, that I'm just, I'm looking for some healing to my hurts, 
you know, in a, in a world and in my experience of life, which can be filled with despair and a certain sense of darkness, that I'm, what's going to give me hope? And ultimately, you know, in the tribulations of life, um, am I a joyful person? Uh, and if not, why am I not finding that joy? So the pastoral letter basically talks about a dawning moment uh, in the Diocese of Duluth. There have been a lot of challenges the last five years, but we're at that place where there seems to be a dawning, that we're stepping out of the darkness as a diocese, given all of our challenges, and, and it's a breaking moment in the early dawn of a day. We're not in the, in the daylight, but we are in the dawning light. So there's enough light for us to move ahead to mission, and what we were trying to discern um, was what is the next step that the Holy Spirit is calling us to, um, to be able to live the mission that's been entrusted to us by God in our personal lives, the life of our parishes, our diocese. And, and so it seems that the first step, um, as the pastoral letter presents, is to step into healing. There, there just is a lot of ho- hurt, and there is a lot of suffering um, that is going on. And it's hard to be hopeful, and it's hard to be joyful um, when you're hurting. And so, you know, we're seeking to bring, as a first step, uh, into our mission, you know, to bring healing. Um, and as we begin to be healed, that gives us hope. And when we're healing and filled with hope, that's what gives us joy. And so all of that is in Jesus. And so it's, it's again, the healing, hope, and joy that we find in Jesus himself, who is healing, who is hope, who is joy. So the pastoral letter speaks into that. It's not a five-year plan. It's not a lot of goals and objectives. It's just simply saying, let's step into mission. It's a dawning moment. There's enough light to step forward. And the first step that we're going to take is into healing. Well, Bishop, thank you so much for for sharing that. I hope it, it bears fruit in the Diocese of Duluth. And uh, we just thank you so much for your time. You can The listeners can go to dioceseduluth.org, and it's right at the top of the page. There's an audio version, too, um, which is great to see, and as well as a print version. So, Bishop Felton, Merry Christmas, and thank you so much for joining us. And Merry Christmas to you, and, and thanks for your great ministry. And we're going to take a break. Um, I'm your host, uh, Blake Ritterman, along with John Clark from Real Presence Live. And we'll see you on the other side of the break with Jennifer Anderson from Redeeming Grace Counseling. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network.